You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. It's good to see you all. If you haven't, uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Tom and I'm one of the pastors here and uh, it's really good to see you all this morning. We're going to be starting a new series today, a new eight-part series called We Are The Church. And uh, we're going to come on to that in a little little while. But before that, I've got some exciting things to share with you. Um, If you've been part of this church for uh, any length of time, really, you probably will have noticed that we are growing as a church, which is fantastic. Uh, Over the last couple of years, this church has grown um, quite significantly, really. And uh, each week, having uh, new people amongst us, which is fantastic, we love to see. And uh, we are seeing that actually about 300 people on average now, coming uh, to Hope Church every Sunday morning, and maybe 50 or so more than that in the community of the church, because invariably people are away each week, so maybe about 350 people now in our church, which is incredible. Um, But we are, whilst we're thrilled at that, we do also know that God has called us as a church to play a big part in reaching Ipswich. That's something that we are convinced of, that we have a big part to play. There's many other great churches in this town that we love and partner with, But we know that God has called us, Hope Church, to play a big part in reaching uh, this town and the surrounding areas. And so over the last few months, as we've uh, seen this church growing, we've taken the step of uh, moving to two morning services. So we now have services at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. We had a great time at the 9 o'clock service this morning. And uh, so that's fantastic. We've seen small groups multiplying. We've seen um, things that we're doing uh, in the middle of the week, multiplying as well. It's really encouraging to see. And we, as a team, as a leadership team, the Bible calls them elders or pastors, but we're just happy to say leadership team as well. Uh, we have been sitting down uh, in many of our meetings and just thinking through, how is this going to look in the years to come if God continues to bring more people uh, to our church? What's it going to look like? And there's certainly... Um, things we can do, um, such as increasing uh, our capacity by going to two services, which we've done. But we also believe that we're going to need a bigger place than this in the years to come. And uh, we've uh, really come to the conclusion that we need to look elsewhere. This building that we're sitting in right now, we don't own outright. We have another 20 years on a leasehold. And uh, we actually need to find somewhere that's permanent and bigger and more suitable for our needs. So we've uh, met many times, talked this all through. And Since we've come to the conclusion that we actually need to find somewhere else, God has led us. He's directed us in a number of different ways to a plot of land around the corner from us, on the corner of Duke Street and Tye Road, where you can literally, after the service today, you can walk around there within five minutes, you can be there. And it's a sizable piece of land, and a land on which, if we acquired it, we could build some some great facilities that would enable this church to continue to grow and to reach uh, more people. We have seen through uh, this process, which has been um, quite a journey so far, um, we've seen through this process God opening doors for us along the way, doors which seemed absolutely slammed shut. God has opened for us in response to our prayers, which is really, really encouraging. It's so, so good that we've been on this journey together, praying, seeking God for his provision in this. And we're at the point where we really believe that this site around the corner from us is still open to us. However, we're not in a position to be able to acquire it yet because simply we haven't got enough in the way of funds. So we are, over the next two Sundays, going to be taking a special offering, which we're calling our journey offering. And it's over these next two Sundays that we are wanting to raise £100,000, which is a huge amount of money. We, early this year, raised £83,000 
towards this uh, future building fund, which we were so excited about. But at that point, we hadn't even got in mind this site around the corner from us. So it really was a miracle that we were able to raise such an amount without actually people seeing and understanding what it is that we're really going for. So over the next two weeks, we're seeking to raise £100,000, which is uh, a big deal, right? But wonderfully, we've got a big God. We're really, um, we're so, so grateful, genuinely, for the generosity of this church. Each month, I get a report through about giving. I don't know who gives what. I don't want to know. But each month, I get a report through about people's uh, standing orders and our giving on into the buckets on a Sunday. And we're growing in our generosity. It's really, really good to see. And uh, I'm so grateful. As elders, we're so grateful uh, for your generosity. But we're now calling you and encouraging you to uh, take a big step of faith in this uh, with us. We're really in it with you. As elders, we are going to be giving big into this as well, as much as we possibly can, because we're really uh, behind uh, this vision. And so I'm just wanting to ask you really to consider over the next two Sundays, how much can you give? Um, We've we've produced this this booklet entitled Journey Offering. It's been such a journey that we've been on so far, full of ups and downs. Um, Wednesday night, our prayer and vision night this week, we're going to be sharing a little bit more of the story and also just answering some questions and then going for it in prayer together. This will explain quite a lot. So why don't you take one of these on your way out? So they'll be on the doors as you, as you leave today. Don't leave without one of these. Um, there's some illustrations in there, some artists' uh, impressions of what a, a building could look like on that site, as well as some other information about how you can give. And also, with this offering, we're intending to give 10% of that offering into ministry to the poor um, particularly to our friends Edward and Frida Buria. Edward was preaching uh, with us earlier this year and uh, doing a great work in Kenya, helping people to come out of poverty. So take one of these. Over this week, consider, maybe even today, consider how much can I give into this. If you're married, why don't you discuss it? I think that'd be a good idea, especially, you know, especially if you share a bank account. Um, don't want any shocks kind of coming later on in the week where you think, where's this money gone? Um, just want to maybe share with you how Sarah and I come to um, these offerings. Um, Sarah wasn't, she's not here right now. She was here at the nine o'clock service. Um, we give each month, we give by standing order into the life of this church. We want to always be giving over 10% really of our uh, pre-tax income. That's what we want to be uh, looking to do for the rest of our lives and to grow in that generosity. And we've done it for some time. We want to keep doing it. I know the other elders are the same. And uh, we we want to keep growing in our generosity, asking God, how much can we give away of this money that you've entrusted to us? That's how we approach it each month. And then when it comes to special offerings like this one, we will talk about it in the week leading up to it. We've already discussed it because I obviously already knew about this offering that we we're going to be taking. And we've decided, we looked at our bank account, we thought, how much can we give? And so we, we firstly think, how much can we afford to give? And then we think, can I stretch myself a little bit on top of that? Okay, that's actually when we have to really rely on Jesus, that he'll come through for us, that he'll provide for us. So this is how we approach these, uh, these special offerings. This is going to take sacrificial giving. It's going to take sacrificial, sacrificial giving from all of us, not just from one or two super givers. This is going to require sacrifices. Um, this week, I heard the sentence that every husband loves to hear. Uh, I think it was on Wednesday this week. Sarah turned to me. She said, Tom, I think we need a new TV. That's a good thing to hear, right? I think we need a new TV. 
it, it normally takes me months and months and months of convincing Sarah that we need anything, you know, like, that we need, you know, it normally would take me the best part of a year to probably convince Sarah we need a new TV. It has been smashed to pieces by our children, and it's also quite old, and it's on the blink, and probably by the end of the year it will probably die, and that's probably not a bad thing because our kids watch way too much TV in particular. Um, but we thought to ourselves, really, we, that can wait, you know? Even though that's something we'd like to have, that can wait. We can hold off buying a new one until January in the sales, um, whenever it might be. We are wanting to, in a very practical way, sacrifice, postpone, put off something which we could just go out and buy, but actually want to give big into this offering. So, I hope that's helpful for you. I don't say this in a way in which to boast. I know that the Bible does actually say, don't tell people exactly how much you're giving, but I just want you to know that I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not willing to do. And nor are we as an eldership team willing to ask you to do something that we're already not, uh, that we're not already doing. So it's going to take sacrifice. We're really believing this is about far more than a building. We're believing that it's about the kingdom of God advancing in this area. There are hundreds of thousands of people who don't know Jesus. We've just prayed about them as we're thinking about the Alpha course. There are hundreds of thousands of people from Ipswich and the places that we represent here And we must not become apathetic and think, oh, we're doing well, that we might have 350 people in our church. There's so many more people we can reach. And we're believing that maybe one day we would even have multiple services in a future building of ours, and maybe even multiple sites around Ipswich, um, because God has given us a big vision, and he's given us a heart to see people coming to know Jesus. So for some of you, um, you've been around the block a bit. You've been maybe a Christian uh, for more years than you actually have not been a Christian, you, you, you know what it's all about. And I want to encourage you, you're, you're never too old to live by faith. Some of you might have been radical as youngsters, giving away money, trusting in God. But actually, as you've grown older, there's many, many more things to think about. There's many, things like a retirement fund and looking after your kids' needs and so on. Those are good things. I'm not rubbishing them for one moment. But I want to call you, maybe if you've been around the block a bit, I want to call you to see that actually God can and will provide for your needs as you seek first his kingdom. It says in in Isaiah 46, even until you're gray in hair, I will carry you. I will carry you. He has got us covered. So I want to encourage you to step out in faith in this. So, You may never have done this before. You may never have given your money to God before in this way. Why don't you step out and just see what he does? It's a bit like Peter when Jesus was walking on the water and he encouraged Peter to come out and walk with him. Peter actually had to start taking the steps before he realized that Jesus was going to stop him from drowning. Take a step over these next two weeks. We're doing it over two Sundays. As I mentioned, each Sunday we invariably have many people away um, doing other things. So we're doing it over two Sundays so so no one uh, misses an opportunity to give. So today, um, can I encourage you to grab one of these and grab a gift aid envelope as well. We do go on about gift aid quite a lot here. The reason we do it is because it's such a good deal. So if you're a taxpayer in this country we're able to claim back an extra 25% from the government on top of what you give at no cost to you. So if you give £100 into the offering next week or the week after, we're able to claim back an extra 25 quid from the government. I just did that in my head, right? (laughs) If you gave gave £1,000, we're able to claim £250 back from the government at no cost to you. That's a good deal, right? That's a really good deal because we're a charity. We can do that. So... 
I mean, would it just really encourage you to think about what you're going to give, take one of these with you, have it ready to give into the uh, offering buckets next week or the week after if you're not here next week. Just by way of illustration, one way in which we could reach our £100,000 target will just come up on the screen right now. It could look like 40 gifts of £250 and 30 gifts of £500, 20 gifts of £750. Just as I read these out, you might want to be thinking about which one of these could I maybe slot into. 15 gifts of £1,000, 10 gifts of £2,000, three gifts of £5,000, and one gift of £10,000. That totals £100,000. So you can just see actually how we could uh, reach our total. And you might want to just think about um, and pray about really what it is that you could give next week. Some of you some of you might not see the fruits of this, okay? Moses labored for years but never saw the promised land. Some of you, you might, we, we might not build something on a, on a plot of land like Duke Street for another five years. You might, some of you might not even be with us then. That's quite uh, sobering, isn't it? Some of you might have moved elsewhere. You might not see the actual fruit of this, but really this is about reaching the future generations with Jesus' message. Yeah? So this is something I want us to take a long-term view on as well. It's an investment for the future generations. So should we just quickly stand together? I know that you've been standing up, sitting down. Let's stand together and let's pray for this, shall we? Ask God just to provide for us. And then I'm going to share today's message in the time we have remaining. Father God, we just want to ask for your provision uh, for us next week. uh, And in these next few weeks, we ask, Lord God, that you would do an amazing thing amongst us. Lord, we've seen your provision so far. We've seen you opening doors for us so far. We pray, God, that you would once again show yourself to be mighty and full of the resources of the whole of the universe in your hands. I pray, God, that we would see these released to us in the coming weeks for your glory, for your kingdom's advance, for your church to shine brighter in this town. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Take your seats. We're going to be, as I've said already, we're going to be starting a new series today. We are the church, and the, ch- the church in the Bible is described in a number of different ways. There's different metaphors used uh, for the church, different pictures to help us to understand what the church is to be. And today we're looking at the church as the bride of Christ. So if you have a Bible with you, why don't you turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 25 to 27 together. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. About 10 years ago, there was a book released called The Da Vinci Code, which is quite an entertaining book, but uh, it spawned this false... um, proclamation really that Jesus was married when he walked on this earth that he married Mary Magdalene and it got people very excited and as happens to every controversy that is completely false it completely dies away because it's shown to be false but people started to think well did Jesus get married when he was here and so on I want to say this morning that Jesus did actually come for a bride he came to earth for a bride it wasn't for one woman but actually he came that he would draw a people to himself from all across the world that would be his bride. Jesus is an engaged king. He's coming back and he will be married to his bride. The Bible begins 
with a wedding. It begins with Adam and Eve being joined together, and it ends with a wedding. We're going to turn to Revelation chapter 19. Again, the verses are going to come up on the screen behind me. The Apostle John saw this vision in Revelation. He sees this. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So this is a picture of the end of all time of the church, the bride of Christ, all those who have placed their faith in Jesus from history past and history now, all of those from every nation, tribe and tongue drawn together to be united with Jesus forever. And it's described as a marriage supper. It's described as a a reception. It's described as a party. It's going to be incredible. The prophet Isaiah saw this day as well. Let me read it out to you from Isaiah chapter 25. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples. What is this we wonder? We're going to see it now. The veil that is spread over all the nations. He will swallow up death forever and the Lord will wipe away tears from every face and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. This is just another uh, snapshot of this future feast that is coming, this marriage supper when Jesus is united to his church and it's going to be an amazing party. Can you just imagine the rich foods that this these verses have just described. Can you imagine the amazing wine? I'm not even that big a fan of wine. I'll, I'll take a beer if there's a beer on tap. But, you know, th- this is going to be incredible. It's going to be absolutely amazing. There's going to be music from every culture. There's going to be dancing. There's going to be all kinds of foods that we would be able to enjoy from every nation and tribe and tongue. It's going to be absolutely glorious. And God is going to swallow up death forever. Death has already been defeated. We've sung about that this morning, but it's going to be destroyed forever. Every tear is going to be wiped away from every face. It's going to be glorious. This is the marriage supper of the Lamb that the Bible looks forward to. And it's granted to us, as we've read in Revelation, to get the church ready for that day. It's granted to us to get the church ready for that day. I don't know about you, but... um, I, I, I kind of approach weddings a little bit differently to my wife, Sarah. She is really looking forward, when we we're invited to a wedding, she's really looking forward to seeing the bride's dress. She's looking forward to seeing her hair. She's looking forward to seeing the wedding ring and the engagement ring. She's looking forward to hearing what music she walks down the aisle to. She's looking forward to seeing the flowers and the car and the decor. I'm looking forward to the hog roast. I'm looking forward to whether or not there's going to be a free bar or not. That's kind of what's, go- that's what's going on in my mind, right? That's, that's what I'm thinking through when it comes to a wedding. What happens at weddings is that the bride will take months and months to get ready for a wedding. It takes a long time, right? I've never seen an ugly bride. Have you ever seen an ugly bride? Husbands, keep your hands down. 
<laughs> I've never seen an ugly bride. Even, even women who normally in the real world are a bit funny looking, come their wedding, come their wedding day, they look amazing. That is because brides ready themselves for their wedding day. They put effort in. I, I'm, you know, you might be surprised to hear this, but I, I do occasionally get quite emotional. You must be looking, thinking, well, he, he's too manly to get emotional. I know you're thinking that. But I've been known to uh, cry sometimes when I've been, you know, just moved to tears. Uh, I cried when I first saw the film Braveheart, when William Wallace dies at the end and, and declares freedom. I was bawling my eyes out when I first saw that. I cried when Wales lost in the semi-final of the Rugby World Cup a few years ago. Um, I cry whenever I think about giving my daughters away on their wedding day. Right? That starts to make me cry. But I'm reminded regularly that the one occasion when I should have cried but did not cry was on my wedding day. All right, I'm reminded of that regularly. Sarah doesn't let me forget. I've uh, had the privilege the last few years to just do some um, wedding ceremonies and to preach at weddings and stuff. And uh, I've been able to have that kind of close-up view of the, the bride and groom. It's a real privilege to have that view, that kind of snapshot. Of what's good. You can see every kind of gesture and everything they're saying to each other. It's great. And uh, I always look out now for the guy. Is he going to cry when the bride walks down the aisle? Is he going to be one of those? And... Uh, you know, Jesus is going to be taken aback when he sees the beauty of his bride. It says, for the joy set before him, he willingly endured the cross. He endured the cross. All that we've sung about this morning, his, the, the, the crown of thorns on his head, his nail, his hands pierced with nails, his, the agony, all of that he endured because of the joy set before him. The joy set before him was a glorious bride, was a glorious church. That will be perfect one day. Right now, we're full of zits and a bit podgy and all of this. <laughs> I'm not talking about the individual members of the church here. I'm talking about the church in general. We're not perfect, but one day, we're going we're gonna to make Jesus cry for joy. He's going to see a beautiful church. He's going to see a beautiful bride. Preparation gets taken seriously when there's a wedding coming. I don't know if you remember... Um, Will and Kate, when they got married about five years ago, I think it was, the royal wedding. Um, prior to that, I had absolutely no interest in, in watching it whatsoever. I was like, I'm grateful for the bank holiday. I'm going to have a nice day off, but I, you, know, you can just get on and have your wedding. I'm not even interested remotely. And the day came along, and Sarah and I had been invited to some friends to go and watch it, you know, a royal wedding party. And uh, I was a bit kind of angry that we were, Sarah said, yes, we'd go. And uh, we ended up, ended up going there, and... I, I sat down and watched it, and the, the, the ceremony had long finished, and they were starting to play games and stuff, and I was still absolutely hooked on the TV. I was amazed at this, this beautiful wedding. And uh, the, the very next day, I even went and bought a souvenir edition of a national newspaper to kind of just have in the, you know, the special box hand to the grandchildren one day. I was absolutely captivated by the preparation that had gone in for this day. You know, Kate had had dozens of people getting her ready getting her hair ready, her makeup ready, her, uh, her, her dress ready, her shoes, all of this kind of her flowers. Dozens and dozens of people had put effort into making her look absolutely amazing. She took her preparation seriously. We, friends, we get to prepare the bride of Christ for that day. 
and it's going to require even more preparation than that. Some people are, are not passionate about the church. Some people are not really fussed about the church. Some people might say, well, you know what, I'm quite keen on Jesus. What I see of Jesus I like, but actually when it comes to the church, I'm really not bothered. In fact, I don't really want to go to church. I don't want to be there. I don't really want to help it to, uh, to grow and be th- fruitful. That's just not me. I'm, I'm a bit more of a Jesus person than I'm a church person. I'm just here to say this morning that that can't be. You can't be a Jesus person without being a church person. Because Jesus just hasn't just saved you to be in relationship with him, and it's kind of a Jesus and me deal. He's actually saved you into his bride, into his body, as we're going to look at next week. The the church is the body of Christ. He's He's joined you to himself, yes, but he's joined you to every other believer, whether you like it or not. So it's not the case that we can kind of be keen on Jesus, but not so keen on the church. The church is absolutely key to Jesus' plans. He is passionate about the church. In Acts chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus is um, going after Christians and he's having them thrown in prison. He's having them tortured. He even oversees the killing of Stephen, one of the deacons in the early church. He's, he is absolutely, he's causing so much trouble. And Jesus appears to him on the road as he's walking and comes to him in a vision and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He's persecuting the church. But Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? This is how he identifies with his people. An attack on the church is an attack on Jesus. That is how passionate he is about the church. You know, some of you might have had difficult uh, experiences of the church And that's something that you will need to work through with God and maybe to even forgive people and to let some things go from the past. Maybe that's one reason why you might not be keen on the church. But another reason which you just need to kind of have your thinking corrected on is that so often people preach this kind of, when you come to know Jesus, you get saved into a personal relationship with God, your own personal relationship with God. Now, that is true to an extent. We do come into relationship with God. We do come to know him as our father. We do come to know Jesus as our friend and savior. And the Holy Spirit is our counselor, always with us. That is true. But you are saved into a people that are going somewhere. You're saved into a people that are on this incredible journey to bless the whole world. That is what you're saved into. And so it's not just a Jesus and me thing. You're actually saved into something much bigger than that. I heard someone say recently something quite challenging. He said, if your passion for Jesus, sorry, if your passion for the church is not as red hot as Jesus' passion for the church, then it's you who needs to change. If your passion for the church is not as red hot as Jesus' passion for the church, then it's you who needs to change. It's you who has the catching up to do. The church is the apple of God's eye. The church is his plan for the blessing and salvation of the world. It's more than a club. It's, it's more than a club of people who just happen to have the same interest or for people who haven't really got much to do on a Sunday morning. It's much more than that. It's so important in God's purposes. So we need to get ready. We need to ready his bride. We look in Revelation and we read at the end of time what the church is to be. We see three things I want to pull out. The church is to be a numerous bride. She's to be a big bride. She's to be a big bride. We see a great multitude in Revelation 19. Innumerable. They can't be counted. There are, there's, a, there's, there's millions, maybe billions of people. Jesus wants a big bride. He wants to have 
a big family. He wants many to come to know him. He's actually patient in returning because he wants as many people to come to know him as possible. He wants a big bride. And so churches need to grow. There's nothing wrong with being a small church. Small churches do great things. There's thousands of small churches across this country that are doing great things. But even small churches, they must grow. Whether they end up planting churches, sending people out, whatever, churches need to grow. The church is meant to grow. In fact, it's not healthy if it's not growing. People coming to know Jesus, people coming to meet with him, encounter him, have their lives changed by him, and getting involved in the local church. That is what is to happen. So we want to see this church grow, don't we? Just a few of you. Yeah, we want to see this church grow. <laughs> we want to see it grow. We want to see many more people come to know Jesus. He wants a big bride. He wants a multicolored bride. We see this in Revelation that every nation, tribe, and tongue are represent, represented in his church. He wants a multinational, multicolored, multicultural bride. And in this church in particular, we are starting to see that. And I believe it's going to change even more in the years to come. This church is going to more and more reflect the nations that make it up. And we're seeing it already, but we want to see it more. Because it's a beautiful expression of God's heart. He doesn't favor one person over, one people group over another. And in this town, we're seeing people coming from all kinds of different parts of the world. We want to see that here in this church as well. So I want to encourage you this morning to get to know people from different nations. Get to know people. Have them in your home. Whether, you're, whether you've grown up in this country or whether you've grown up elsewhere, invite people from other nations into your home. Have people in your lives who are from different places because it's a beautiful expression of God's heart for this world. But also, it's a kick in the teeth to the enemy because there's all kinds of war and famine and all kinds of stuff stirring up over the world and people are, are rocking up in this country and they're coming to know Jesus because in their countries that they come from, it's illegal to be a Christian. So when we see people coming to this country for whom they, it's illegal to be a Christian in their country and they come here and come to know Jesus, it's a kick in the teeth to the enemy. God can bring good out of what the enemy meant for evil. And it's a, it flies in the face of this kind of suspicion of people from other nations. When we invite people into our lives, Jesus is wanting a multicolored bride. And we want to see that more and more here in Ipswich. It also means that we give ourselves to reaching other nations. Morris, who's one of the other elders with me here, he is currently in Sweden, helping church plants in Stockholm and Gothenburg to get up off the ground. He's going to be next week in the Netherlands. This, this church is impacting nations. And some of you here, some of you here might even go to other nations one day, whether short-term or long-term, to see churches established, to see people come to know Jesus. We want that to be the story of our church in the years to come. So he wants a big bride. He wants a numerous bride. He wants a multi-colored bride. He wants a pure bride. This bride is dressed in white. When you go to a wedding, it's a big no-no to wear white, isn't it? Unless you're the bride. You get all kinds of funny looks. If you've done it, you know, right? I haven't worn white at a wedding, but maybe ladies here, maybe if you've worn a white dress at a wedding, you know that's a big no-no because everyone's thinking, are you trying to kind of upstage the bride and all this kind of stuff? The bride should stand out. The bride should stand out. At the wedding, you should be able to look around the room and instantly pick up. Oh, there's the bride. She's in the white dress. We as a church, the church globally, should be pure. It should stand out. It should stand against injustice. It should stand for righteousness. It should stand for loving people. 
The bride is to stand out, is to be pure. That's a challenge to each one of us in our own lives to live lives of purity. Jesus is passionate about his church. He's going to see a numerous bride, a multicolored bride, a pure bride. His passion, friends, his passion compelled him to act. Love compels you to act, doesn't it? You can't just say to someone, I love you, and then never do anything about it. If you love someone, you will act for them in some way. Jesus loved the church and gave himself for her. He gave up his life ultimately for her. We, if we're to have Jesus' passion for the church, we will give ourselves for her. We will give ourselves to making his bride look beautiful. Jesus loved the church and gave himself for her. What does this look like? It means your talent, your gifting that he's given you, your treasure, your finances, your money, your time serving people. Jesus came to serve, not to be served, but to serve. The the most Christ-like people I know in this church, I'm looking at some of you now, are those that serve others, that give up days, give up hours, give up evenings to serve people, to love people, to pour out themselves for others. I want to encourage each one of us to give ourselves to the church, to give ourselves to the church of readying the bride of Christ. Might be, it might look like being part of a group. It might look like discipling people, pouring out yourself and being a model to others and, 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 and helping people to learn what it means to practically follow Jesus. It might mean that you serve in a different uh, ministry on a Sunday morning or serve in a different team to help the church be all that she can be. So it will look like giving yourself to the church, but it also look like praying for the church. It will look like praying for the church. I read a tweet this week that was quite challenging. It said something like this. Do you pray about your church as often as you complain about your church? Do you pray about your church as often as you complain about your church? How, how much more beautiful would this expression of the church look if we prayed about it as much as we complain about it? That's quite sobering, isn't it? Do we pray for it? Do we pray for this church, for it to be fruitful? Do we pray for it to be growing? Do we pray for it to be discipling people well? Do we pray for it? Do we pray for the land that we might get it? Do we pray for the leaders? Are we praying for this church? Jesus prays for the church. He intercedes for us. If we're to get his passion for the church, then we're to be praying for it. We're to be praying for the church. This week, Wednesday night, we're gathering together once again, prayer and vision night, first Wednesday of each month, we're kind of going for it. Next week's a bit, next month rather is a bit different. We've got an enough evening. That's on a Friday night, the first Friday of November. But we're going for it this Wednesday night, prayer and vision. We're going to go after God for some big things, not just for the land around the corner, but for far more than that. The actual point of getting the land around the corner is so that we'll see the kingdom of God advance even more and see more people come into this church. So I want to encourage you to be here, 7.30 p.m. We're going to worship God together. We're going to pray. Maybe if you're in a small group, maybe you'd like to eat as a small group together before you come. Grab some pizza or something and come on over and pray together with us. Jesus is passionate for his church, so let's give ourselves to make her ready for that day. Let's give ourselves to make her look beautiful come the day that we are united with him forever. Jesus did his first miracle at a wedding. doesn't seem to make much sense, really. Maybe he could have have fed 5,000 people and then said, I'm the bread of life. 
Or he could have raised Lazarus from the dead and said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He could have done any number of other things as his first miracle. He chose to turn water into wine at a wedding. In doing that, he's showing that there's a day that will come, a wedding that will end all weddings, literally. A wedding that will be far, far greater than any other wedding that's ever taken place. And there was one job for the groom, one job for the groom in weddings in those days. One job, and that was to get enough wine in. It was to get enough wine in to last the celebrations out. A few days worth of wine. That was his one job. And this groom in the story, when Jesus performed his first miracle, he didn't even have enough wine in. And that would have absolutely brought shame and disgrace to his family. It was a big deal. It wasn't like, oh, it's okay, we'll just go down to the shop and get some more. No, it would have brought disgrace and shame to his family. And Jesus, what did he do? He covered that man's shame by producing wine from water. Not just any old wine, but the very, very best wine. And that is what he's done for us. Do you know that? He's done that for us. We fell short. We didn't have what it took. We messed up. We rebelled. We went our own way. And Jesus has covered our shame by shedding his blood. He's covered our shame by shedding his blood. And that is the goodness that we walk in, friends. If you know Jesus... Your shame has been covered completely, utterly. It's been dealt with so that you could become part of his church, become part of his body, become part of his bride, this temple where his presence dwells, this, all these kind of things that we're going to be looking at over the weeks to come. This is what he's done for you to make it possible. So in a moment, I'm just going to ask us to stand. But I'm going to ask us to stand if we want to give ourselves afresh to readying his bride. Okay, so I want you to stand in a moment if you are wanting to just say to God, I want to ready your bride. I want to make your bride look beautiful. If you want to do that, just by way of response, just to stand where you are. Um, If the band could just be ready to come and lead us in a final song, that would be great. And then we're going to, we'll wrap up in a few minutes time. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to ask you to stand. So let's just, where we are, just pray. Father God, We thank you so much that you've won us, you've rescued us. We thank you so much that we've been brought into your family. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blood shed for us. Thank you that you covered our shame. Thank you so much, Lord. We we, we fell so short. And you've, you've come and you've covered our shame. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that we're part of your bride. We're part of your church. We're part of your plan to bless the whole world. And Lord, we just want to say this morning that we are we're wanting to play our part. We're wanting to play our part in readying your bride. We want to see in this area, we want to see your bride shine brighter. We want her to grow. We want her to reflect more and more the, uh, the international place that this area is becoming. We want it to be a multicolored bride. We want to be a pure bride. Lord, we want to honor you in everything. So help us, we pray. Maybe if you're here this morning, just um, everyone's got their eyes closed. If you're here this morning and you want to you want to give yourself, you want to give your life to Jesus. You actually want to become a Christian this morning and ask Him to forgive you and to set you free. Um, I'm just going to pray, and as I pray, if you want to do that, why don't you just pray along in your heart or in under your breath? And I'm, just, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand if you've prayed it in a moment. So 
Let's just pray. Jesus, I thank you that you came to earth to set me free. I thank you that you have made a way for me to be forgiven. I thank you that you shed your blood for me and your body was broken for me. I choose to follow you. I choose now to believe that you are the Son of God. You are the Savior of the world and I want you to come and change my life. If you've prayed that prayer, everyone's got their eyes closed. If you've prayed that prayer, I just want you to wave your hand nice and high. If you pray that for the first time, great, thank you, fantastic, great. Okay, I want to encourage you to tell someone that you've prayed that. You can all open your eyes now. I want to encourage you to tell someone that you've prayed that. There's two or three hands raised there. Tell someone you prayed that. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.